Hello, welcome to episode number 14 of Think, Feel, Eat. I'm Donna Reish, and I'm your teacher and your weight loss coach. And I'm excited today to be continuing our study on the perfect storm of weight loss. So I'm going to briefly set my timer. First of all, that's what I'm gonna do, because I always forget to set my timer. I'm going to briefly, <laughs> I am going to briefly go over the perfect storm of weight loss, and then we're going to pick up where we left off last week in foundations of my food protocol. So next week, we're going to get into some more specific protocols. I'm going to show you um, the Weight Watchers free food list and how you can incorporate that into your eating protocol for real foods and healthy foods. Um, they do a lot of things right with that free food list. Um, some of their programs are a little bit too uh, low fat for some people, but they have this amazing free food list that we can learn a lot from. So we're going to take a look at that next week and specific protocols and how they, how, what you may or may not like about them. But last week and this week is going to be foundation. So I'm going to share my screen. Share. I am going to go into photos. Okay, um, I had them all up here, but okay. Hmm, need to find my triangle. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, there, um, I had too many open. I thought I just opened the three that I needed, but evidently I didn't. All right, so here we have our review here is what does it take to create an eating protocol, an eating plan that leads to the perfect storm. All right, so if you remember last week, one of the things that I said that we were going to talk about today is going to be how do different food protocols affect the three aspects of the perfect storm of weight loss, okay? So the perfect storm of weight loss is all of these things coming together plus your time, your food, and your amounts. Okay, time, food, and amounts is right here in number one. I'm going to enlarge this triangle here. There we go. All right, so number the three aspects of the perfect storm are number one, the eating protocol. And again, uh, food, times, and amounts. And we're gonna talk specifically about uh, all three of those today. And then number two, hunger and cravings, hormones and chemicals. So what do these things all have to do with that? What do these things, insulin, dopamine, cortisol, serotonin, leptin, willpower, ghrelin, sleep, seductive foods, all of these things have to do with number one, the eating protocol. And then number three, thoughts and emotions management, deciding ahead, building habits, emotional eating, thinking, feeling, eating, what we do every Thursday, the prefrontal cortex, gratitude, daily journaling. What do those have to do with the eating protocol? And what do those have to do with hunger and cravings and hormones and chemicals? And then all the way around. If you remember last week, I said that it is not in just one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing, okay? It is all three of these interrelated and forwards and backwards. And like even like certain aspects, like the food plan, 
affects your cortisol. It affects your dopamine. It affects your insulin. It affects your serotonin, okay? Your ghrelin. The times affect your insulin, your ghrelin, your leptin, all right? The deciding ahead of time will affect your food and your times and even your amounts if you use the plan that I'm going to lay out for you in the next few weeks. They are all interrelated and they all create the perfect storm of weight loss. All right, let me go to, uh, we'll come back to that one. Let's go to the second one. Okay, so the goal for the perfect storm eating protocol, all right, the goal, that is what do we want, what, what does creating the food intake calorie deficit what, how will we know that we have succeeded besides weight loss, right? Because we can be successful with anything with weight loss, right? That doesn't mean that it's the perfect storm for us, right? And my food and my time and my amounts will likely not be the same as your food and your time and your amounts, right? So, the goal for the perfect storm eating protocol is creating a food slash intake slash calorie deficit that takes you to the intake needed for your right sized body without one, creating over hunger, two, creating over desire, three, increasing cortisol, four, without decreasing serotonin and joy, Yes, we do get that from food too. We just need to try to find it in other places also. Five, without eating foods you don't like. Six, without eating over 20% of fun foods. Seven, without taxing your energy. Eight, without having an empty stomach too much. Nine, without increasing dopamine spikes around hyperpalatable foods constantly and 10 without disrupting sleep. So I'm just gonna talk about each one of these briefly and uh, because your food protocol, your deficit that you're going to create in your food and every protocol creates a deficit, right? If it didn't create a deficit, then we wouldn't have the nut test. Remember that from a week or so ago? I think that was last week. That is people who say, I don't create a deficit, I just eat keto. Or I don't create a deficit, I just eat vegan. I don't create a deficit, I just eat nutritarian. I don't create a deficit, I just eat low fat, vegetarian, vegan, whole 30. But the net test is ask them to eat an entire container of cashews. And they will say that's too much because they know that would take them over their deficit or any kind of nut. I guess keto people probably wouldn't eat cashews because they're very high in carbs compared to other nuts. So, you know, whatever the, whatever their kryptonite is, right? So, you know, a whole container of peanuts, that's like, you know, 2000 calories. And they're like, um, no, that'd be too much. No, no, they're only, you know, 20 carbs in the whole can. So it shouldn't bother a keto person. It sh you know, it shouldn't bother a plant-based person. It shouldn't bother, but yet it bothers all of us. And the reason it bothers all of us is because we know 
it will take us out of, de out of a deficit and we will gain weight. If you eat 2,000 calories more than you need in nuts in one day, even if you are under your carb limit, even if it's real food, even if it's plant-based, even, 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 you will still gain weight, right? And, and it's gotten really unpopular to say that. And I've only actually been confident in saying that because that is not what my coach teaches, okay? But I've only gotten very confident in, in teaching that as I have studied macronutrients and as I have studied The Hungry Brain by Dr. Stephen Guyanet, as well as a couple of others who are being realistic about it and saying, you know what? You eat too much, you get fat. And what, other, what people don't want to say because it doesn't align with their protocol. Like, like people who teach intermittent fasting as, you know, eat whatever you want and you can, and as, and as much as you want during your window and you will lose weight. Those people don't want to say, if you eat too much, you'll gain because they want that to be the sole answer. A keto person wants ketosis to be the sole answer. A, a vegetarian, a vegan wants that to be the sole answer. It's really interesting. I just saw a good friend, um, a friend of mine who is um, nutritarian, and so she and she so she only eats plant-based foods. Just say that she had gained weight during COVID nineteen because she wasn't watching her intake and her calories. And I thought that's you know that's really great because she has a, a big influence and it's really important that people not think just because they eat a certain protocol that they don't have to worry about their intake and i've seen it time and time again people jumping on the bandwagon separate your carbs and fats and then and don't eat sugar and don't eat flour and you won't gain weight you know don't eat sugar and flour you'll lose weight eat keto you'll lose weight and then when they don't lose weight it's blamed on like keto an onion or a tomato that they ate that day. Really? I think onions have like 50 calories each, you know? Or it's blamed on, well, you know, you may have eaten a non-plant item by a nutritarian or, you know, um, by low fat, it's blamed on a handful of peanuts because they have fat in them. When really it's not that perfect program it is that they lost their deficit, right? They were no longer creating a deficit. So we want to create a food intake calorie deficit that takes you to the intake that is needed for your right sized body, okay? So let's break that down. You're going to create this deficit. It's going to take you to the level that you need, the intake that you need for your right sized body, okay? I'm working hard on my right-sized body. I want to get down, I don't know, 14 to 21 more pounds. I want to wear a certain size, right? I have to make that deficit that is needed to get there. And I want to do that without, one, creating over hunger, which is why intermittent fasting is part of the answer to that. Two, with create without creating over desire. Okay. So this goes back to, you can eat 1400 calories of Twinkies, but your desire for processed foods will be so hyped up. Your dopamine spikes will be so high that your over desire will cause you not to be able to stay on your plan. 
Number three, without increasing cortisol. cortisol. Cortisol is our stress hormone. We stress ourselves out on any diet program, any eating program, any exercise program, they all increase cortisol. So the question that we're trying to, the thing that we're trying to do is to get to the deficit that we need for the body that we want without increasing cortisol unusually high to a level that our stress is so high that we can't muster the willpower, we can't muster the, the thought work, we can't do what it takes because of our stress levels. Number four, we want to do this new deficit for this new body without decreasing our serotonin and joy. Okay, and at the same time, we don't want to eat things that we hate that make us unhappy. I was just talking to my daughter about this the other day, how I just used to be really sad on some eating protocols. Now I'm a happy person, right? <laughs> but generally speaking, I just remember just like, oh, I hate this food. I hate this day. I hate this diet. There's just no joy here, right? And I'm not saying we have to breathe, we have to eat everything that spikes our dopamine and makes us just go giddy all the time for food because then we have to have that all the time, right? We spike that dopamine, we have to keep having it, keep having it, keep having it. That is a motivational a learning chemical in our brain. But at the same time, it shouldn't zap us, right? We shouldn't be unhappy with it. So we shouldn't decrease our joy to where, you know, we can't have a Mother's Day dinner on the weekend of Mother's Day right? It shouldn't be that way. Number five, we want to do this deficit to the right-sized body without having to eat foods we don't like. I did that for so many years. I had this blog where I taught how to cook this way, and I tried so hard to love it all, but I didn't like it. And I threw so much food out, and it just did, I just didn't like the taste of it. My family didn't like it. So we want to create the deficit that we need to get to the right, our right size body without eating foods we don't like. We wanna do that without eating over 20% fun foods. Next week, I'm going to talk about the four Fs of food, the fuel food, the fun food, the frantic food, and the um, fog food. And we want to eliminate through thought work, through journaling, through things that make our serotonin high, bring us joy, non-food joys. We want to eliminate the fog and the frenzied, frenzied or frantic. And then we want to plan and decide ahead of time and create our 80% and our 20% in a 100% fully measurable way, right? Because if we're not measuring it, 80-20 is just a vague dream, okay? It has to be measured. So we want to do all this deficit, this intake, this, you know, everything that we're going to do with our right size body to get to our right size body without eating over 20% fun foods, all right? There are going to be several ways I'm going to teach you to do that. Number seven, we want to do this without taxing our energy. Okay, we all can remember diets. I was thinking about the other day. I can remember the name of it in my Donna Daily yesterday. 
the HCG diet, no energy. 600 calories a day, some kind of stuff you put under your tongue. Um, and, you know, I, I did it six days a week. So on the seventh day, I binged. And I still had a net loss because it was so low during the week, right? So, 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 so low. So we want to do this deficit to our right size body without taxing our energy. Now, at first, when we create a deficit, so suppose I'm just going to use some kind of math that's easy to do. Suppose we needed 3,000 calories right now, which we don't, but suppose we did. And suppose we went down to 2,000 calories right now. And, and that wasn't, let's do it differently. Let's do it. We need 2,000 right now. And at our new weight, we're going to need... 1400. Okay, that's how much I'm going to need at my new weight. Okay, so we can create a deficit, right, from that 2000 to that 1400, however much, however way we want. A lot of times people go, well, I'm going to cut out a thousand a day, go down to a thousand from 2000 to 1000, and that way I can lose two pounds a week, which would work mathematically, would probably work no matter what you ate, as long as it was a thousand but you probably wouldn't be able to stay on it if it was junk food. You wouldn't be able to stay on it if it was not filling. There are all kinds of things that make us not be able to stay on it, right? So suppose we said, well, 2,000 is what I need. Now I'm going down to 1,000 so I can lose faster. Then we would be taxing our energy. We'd be increasing our cortisol. Depending on what we use those 1,000 calories for, we could also be uh, increasing our cortisol and creating over desire, a lot of things that maybe wouldn't work for us. All right, we wanna also do this. So we don't want to do anything that's gonna tax our energy too much, right? And as we get closer to the weight, like to the weight that we need for 1400 calories, we won't have that taxing of energy because we'll be eating what we need at that new weight. So it won't be hard anymore, energy-wise. So we wanna tread carefully on that and not tax our energy so much that we won't be able to stay on it. See, it's all about creating your own perfect storm. All right, we want this food intake calorie deficit that takes you to your right size body without having an empty stomach too much during the eating window, right? So we have intermittent fasting solving all of the ghrelin, leptin, and insulin problems for us for the most part. And we have clock hunger, so we don't get hungry until it's been 18 hours again tomorrow. So two o'clock tomorrow, two o'clock the next day, two o'clock the next day, that's when we're hungry. 12 o'clock tomorrow, 12 o'clock the next day, 12 o'clock the next day, that's when we're hungry. We've done that through intermittent fasting. Amazing, right? But then we have our eating window. And if we go so low that our stomach feels empty a lot during the eating window, then it's gonna be hard to stick with too. And that is where the perfect protocol with protein and fiber and only 20% fun foods will make the difference. So cool, isn't it? That we can like design this ourselves for each individual person. Isn't that remarkable? I just think that's so cool. I've been just loving designing mine. I've been like just experimenting a lot and just cooking certain things and seeing how much fullness I get from them seeing how much protein I can get from them while still having my 20% fun foods. It has been amazing. I'm excited for you. 
All right, without increasing dopamine spikes around hyperpalatable foods, we're gonna find that that 20% fun foods can't be fabulously fun foods. We talked about that before when we were talking about real food uh, about a year ago, that we our dopamine spikes are going to be off the charts if we bring in fat, flour, sugar, if we bring in fat, salt, starch, cheese, which is fat, meat, like, okay. So we're gonna be hyper, hyper palatable and a huge fattening thing of nachos. We're gonna be uh, hyper, hyper palatable in a hot fudge brownie. Those are fabulously fun and they are going to make it very difficult to lose weight as we have those on an ongoing basis. So I'm gonna teach you how to substitute things for those that not, we're not substituting those so that we have an equal palatability. We're substituting those because these are healthier. These get us our macros, our, our fiber and our protein, which are gonna be two of the really important things for losing weight, stomach fullness and the, um, the metabolism boosting of protein. So we're gonna have some substitutions, not to trick ourselves into thinking we have this hyper palatable food, but to say, that'll do, I can do that. I can do that and still stay on. And then those fabulously fun foods are safe for Mother's Day or vacation or weekend getaway, right? All right, and number 10, without disrupting our sleep, okay? And that is where timing your intermittent fasting, and I've taught about this before, timing your intermittent fasting so that you never have to go to sleep hungry. For me, I, I have sleep problems anyway. I have to really, really design my sleep life very carefully, and the older I get, the more I have to do that. So screens off by a certain time, melatonin, no caffeine after 10 a.m. I know it's crazy, all right? Um, a, a nighttime routine, all right? I'm already having to do so much that add hunger onto my sleep issues and I can't fall asleep. So timing your intermittent fasting, so for me, that's like two to seven, two to eight, one to seven, three to eight, is my eating window um, because as long as I eat by seven or 7.30, eight at the latest, I can go to sleep 10.30 or 11 without any problems because I don't have hunger yet. Especially because my first meal is smaller than my second meal. So anyway, I'm gonna teach you all the things, everything, everything, everything. All right, I have enough time to go into this one. All right, now, I want to just compare some food protocols before we next week uh, start talking even more uh, exact, okay? Remembering, of course, that we propel what we plan and we move what we measure, and we want time plus food plus amounts. So these are talking about getting you to goal, okay? Am I, is my picture over there in front of, right over that for you guys? Try to move that, okay. All right, so, um, on the left, we have more likely to get you to your goal, okay? On the right, on the right, we have less likely to get you to goal, all right? 
So what this means is that some of the things on the right under less likely to get you to your goal, that will help you. You can lose weight on that at first. And sometimes people have even lost weight on that by itself all the way to their goal. But it's less likely that you will get all the way to your goal with that. Ask me how I know. All right. And it's more likely that you will get to go with this on the left than it is with this on the right. So let's make some quick comparisons here. Number one, fasting plus food plus amount. That is more likely to get you to your goal than fasting alone. Fasting is one of the three important parts of your food pro eating protocol for sure. Right, I've taught about that so many times, the ghrelin, the, the leptin, the um, muscle saving, the insulin lowering, the clock hunger that you're in control of, right? It's remarkable, but by itself will probably not get you to goal unless you are doing these other things as well, your food and your amount. Okay, number two, macro counting with calories is more likely to get you to goal than just calorie counting alone. And the reason for this is because when you calorie count alone, and this is what I, whenever I did calorie counting, even in the last year and a half of losing weight with intermittent fasting, when I would add calorie counting alone to it, I would eat junk. Because after all, you have this budget to spend, you're like a kid at the fair, his mom gave him 20 bucks, he can do whatever he wants, and he uses every bit of it at the dart game. And then he's sad and he didn't win a prize and he has no money left. That is what I like in calorie counting alone too. We're counting calories. So I'm like, oh, pop tarts, 250. Um, let me see what else do I really love? Shrimp, uh, shrimp, breaded shrimp in the air fryer is 350. Oh, I'll put some French fries in the air fryer too. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but now I'm up to, what am I up to? 250, 350, 300, I'll say 350, if you're being honest about how many french fries you're gonna eat. That's 900 calories. And I haven't eaten any protein to speak of, a little bit in the shrimp. I haven't eaten any fiber to speak of. So nothing's filling my stomach up. All those Carbs are making me want more and more and more carbs. Not that carbs are bad, but when you eat uh, processed carbs, it does that to you. And the next thing you know, you have no calories left and you still have a lot of time left and a lot of hunger left. Whereas if you do calorie counting and you do macro counting with it, then all of a sudden you eat your allotted protein Protein. You eat your lot of carbs, you eat your lot of fat, and your hunger is way different. Your cravings are way different. Your metabolism is way different. Your dopamine spikes are way different because you controlled each macro, protein, carbohydrates, and fat. All right, number three, more likely to get you to goal is keto. Less likely is low carb. Okay. And this is because when we count carbs and we, because I know I, I was on a low carb diet, I healed myself 
from pre-diabetes with 100 carbs a day, but I don't, hardly lost any weight. It is low carb eating is great because it cuts out your processed foods so much. So if you're on 80 carbs, you're on 100 carbs, guess what? You can't have a package of Pop-Tarts because they have 73 carbs in two, two Pop-Tarts in a package. So low carb is good and it will help you lose at first, but it won't get you there alone because you can always just eat more than your body needs in fat and protein and, to and your low carbs all put together, taking you out of your deficit. Keto, on the other hand, often does take people to their goal um, if they can stand the serotonin hit from not having foods, aid, if, if you like those foods, let's put it that way. Okay, more likely to get you to your goal is low, cal low fat plus calories, okay? I lost 100 pounds on low fat and low calories 25 years ago. And at first I was just low fat alone. So I was just doing 30 grams of fat a day and I lost and I lost and I lost, but the last 30 pounds wouldn't budge until I went down really low in calories too. Because low fat means if you don't, if you're not having any other benchmarks, no other boundaries, no other barriers, low fat to me meant frozen yogurt, jelly beans, marshmallows, fat-free muffins, fat-free cookies, fat-free um, angel food cake, fat-free frosting. And so I stopped making the calorie deficit when I got to a certain point. And then I had to come over here and do this. So that's the difference between getting to go with this, this versus that. Okay, next, and I only have, I'm almost at my 30 minute mark. So here we go. Um, protein counting with calories. There are many people in the macro world. Um, some people try just to count protein. Again, you have the same problem. Your fats and carbs will be too high. So you'll count, your calories will be too high. But there are many people in the macro and weightlifting and, and bodybuilding circuits who, who take their calorie limit. So maybe they're at 16 or 18, maybe probably more than that if they're body, weightlifting and body training. But, um, and then they just make sure they get their 120 or 150 grams of protein if they're body, if they're weight, if they're bodybuilders. Okay, so not by itself, but yes, with another boundary. No flour, no sugar, plus amounts or time. Okay, this, this, if you just say it, no, no kind of flour anytime, no kind of sugar anytime, and you have your, your fasting lockdown you know, maybe you eat twice in four hours or five hours, you'll probably get to go. I know people who've done that. But if you just do no flour, no sugar alone, what else can you do? You can eat sugar-free chocolate. You can eat tons and tons and tons of um, like uh, sugar-free ice cream and things like that. You can eat uh, a lot of fatty meat and your calorie deficit will be ruined. Here, any real food plus amounts. So suppose you are doing all real foods, only real, nothing out of a package ever, okay? And you're controlling the amounts too. That'll probably take you to your goal. But real food or vegan or vegetarian or Whole30, et cetera, alone will get you to a certain place, but probably not take you to your goal. Now, these are just less likely. 
Okay, we can all say people who've done this, right? So, and I'm not an expert on every one of these food things. I'm just trying to show you that you can still be over a deficit over here. 80-20 in a measurable way. I'm gonna teach about that next week versus 80-20 with vague boundaries. Yeah, I'm pretty much 80% real food and 20% processed. No, that really won't work very well. <laughs> okay, deciding food protocol ahead of time with a boundary-based approach. I'm gonna teach you how to do that too. Okay, but with deciding food protocol ahead but not having any boundaries. And that will not get you to your goal. And then really, honestly, most more likely to get you to goal is any diet that has an emphasis on real foods, has an emphasis on protein and fullness, and has an emphasis on emotional eating and self-coaching, as opposed to a diet with emphasis on the effects of food, but not considering your emotional state, cravings, how to handle cravings, how to decide ahead of time, what to do um, to stop overeating, those kind of things. Are you ready to create your perfect protocol? We're gonna dig in more next week, this, two, this week and last week, just the foundations of a food protocol. The foundations are, these are things that are going to affect all three parts of the perfect storm. So I wanna create my food protocol in such a way that these other things are affected in the right direction. Thank you for joining me for episode 14 of Think, Feel, Eat. I do have my uh, weight slash productivity slash life coaching shingle out up now. So I'm ready to start taking weight loss coaching clients. I have a couple of packages. You can hop on a free consult and see if I can help you one-on-one. -on -one. If not, I will see you next week back here for Think, Feel, Eat number 15. Thanks a lot.